I think it was, yeah, in, in his top eight match, Collins was playing against Scam, and somebody reminded his opponent, like, reminded them of the one damage from the Wicked roll. You know, Collins is just there to, you know, he he's not, like, SCG grinder Collins right now, right? So he's just like, all right, whatever, and just, like, let it slide. But it's just like, come on, y'all, like, just don't say anything. That's That's the moral of any time you're watching a match. Yeah. Just like, yeah. don't say, say nothing. Anything. Even if you're positive, because I've been this person a lot, even if you're mm-hmm. positive that something is wrong, chances are the players will also just realize it. Like, people mm-hmm. stop for the most stupid minor things, like someone pillar of flames a creature and it doesn't get exiled immediately. Right. They'll figure it out before it's relevant. Like, I, I did this one of your games, right? Like, something died, but it was in your graveyard. Mm-hmm. And when you put, a, like, Eternal Witness on the stack, I'm like, that card is exiled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, because I didn't want to interrupt your game, but you, it, it became relevant. That was a long time ago that I was playing an Eternal Witness. I remember things <laughs> that happened. <laughs> uh, I did recently stop a judge call because someone had flusterstormed a planeswalker. But I also have been wrong so many times calling a judge to like police that. Mm-hmm. where i like, all right, I'm not going to stop the game. I'm just going to double-check the text of Flusterstorm because both players just didn't even flinch. They're just like, had a little counterspell exchange over this Teferi, and it ended with uh, Flusterstorm your Teferi. And I'm like, all right. And I double-checked the Oracle text of Flusterstorm yeah. to make sure I wasn't At that insane. point, grab a judge and bring a judge over, right? And then I called a judge. <laughs> Although, like, half the time, like, if I see that, I'll just be like, I probably misunderstood what was going on and just like, you know, misheard what what was being targeted. Unless it was like very explicit. I'm just like, yeah, that probably targeted the remand. It's fine. It, it was a spell pressure to fairy person pays then flusters target to fairy. Oh, OK. Well, they can't then, hard to hard, hard <laughs> to get that one wrong. I'm like, OK, I, I understand that this fight was successful somehow, but it should not have been. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to episode 313 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Ravel. With me is Lee McLeod. Hi, Lee. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Good. You know, you, you shouldn't be giggling during the intro. People might catch on that we do multiple takes. Well, you know, it's not usually that many takes. It's usually <laughs> I trip over my tongue one time and then have to redo something. Yeah, but your your game face is shattered from there on. Yeah, it's true. But that's okay, because this isn't really like a serious podcast with uh, any serious implications. So uh, everyone can just fucking deal with it, I guess. <laughs> but our shareholders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I have many stories, not even many, but stories yeah. I want to tell from the tournaments. And the fun thing is that I haven't heard anything you've done and you haven't heard anything I've done because we like, yeah. we missed each other because we played RCQs on different days, different cities. You played a local-ish Saturday RCQ <laughs> that wasn't local-ish enough for me to make it out to. The drive to Wilmington is just a little bit, I drove a little to the bit ocean. much for me. Yeah. 
and then I played an actually local RCQ on Sunday that you had to miss because you had social engagements. Yeah. But, Drat. you know, <laughs> we each top aided our RCQ for the second RCQ I've played this season. I drew ID'd with Collins into the top eight of the RCQ. So, you know, good, solid scoreboard for current and former MTG Grindcast hosts. Although, you know, one of us needs to, we need to actually start winning these things at some point. Yeah, I mean, you you, you passed up your, your normal stomping ground, the Geekery Tavern. This is mm-hmm. normally where you get your Ws, but yeah, now you've got to find true. somewhere else. I ran into Carson, uh, a 13-year-old Rhinos player who just like manhandled me and the rest of the top eight. So, you know, I, I'm not too mad about how that played out. No, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited for him. I know he's yeah. been trying pretty hard recently. He played well. And, yeah. you know, also like double cascaded but you know he played well too it's rhinos like you're gonna have honestly you mm-hmm. kind of need to run a little hot with any deck to win a tournament yeah it's like unless your competition is just the softest in the room and that's just like never the case in north carolina at least well i feel like I, and it, it may just be because i have been playing so much and i'm like pretty tuned into modern but i did spot like you know a turn that my opponent played that lost them the game in like each of my matches basically but i i do think that a lot of that is just like me being dialed in enough to like recognize it more easily you know even with decks that i'm not as familiar with it's just like yeah i mean i've played against that this many times and i know that that really wasn't how you wanted to play your turn four of this game yeah i only had one horrendous misplay for one of my opponents it wasn't even a misplay like they put three archons into play it's just like i killed them when they did that so it was bad <laughs> all right well tell me tell me about what you played and how you killed somebody after they put three archons into play did you have ring protection when they did that i did not oh boy (laughs) yeah so i i played hardened scales as i've i think i think i said last episode i was just gonna play hardened scales and i did Mm -hmm. hard scales is great i love playing it super fun deck in fact a lot of people this is not an original deck or anything occasionally i will play like out out-of-the-wall out decks to local mm-hmm. tournaments of people like wow your deck looks so fun and all this stuff and i'm like thanks i found it online it looked fun and i'm playing it this is just straight up hardened scales yeah. just normal ass hardened scales and yeah. people are still coming up being like wow your deck's so fun and i'm like thank you but also yeah we've been yeah. sacrificing arcbound ravager to put counters on ballista for like a long time <laughs> it, it was just kind of weird but in that particular game I was describing, I played against Creativity. And honestly, it's been so long since I played against Creativity, like months, mm-hmm. that I honestly did not realize what my opponent was playing for, like, until turn four, basically. Yeah, on, honestly, like, before I started this, like, I'm playing Modern, like, four days a week on Modo, like, my opponent would fetch a land and I'd be like, some some type of four color. And then like three turns in, I'd be like, oh, there's a dwarf. And I guess they're on creativity. But now I recognize like, oh, all of these fetches have mountain in them. So <laughs> it's creativity. That, that's the key. They basically went uh, Naya Triome into Grixis Triome, which should have been the tip off for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then played another fetch land into something else. I'm like, oh, this is... This is creativity. Yeah. I should probably think at least a little bit about Archon at any point during this game. <laughs> right. <laughs> Instead of just like Leyline Binding and Solitude and all that stuff. Yeah. So I'm playing against Creativity. 
Uh, I don't remember if this is game one or two. It's game two. No, it's it's game one because I win game two in a, a more spectacular fashion. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very large Arcbound Ravager and I draw a Walking Ballista and I know that it's lethal unless my opponent has a Leyline Binding. Mm-hmm. They have like all their mana up basically and three treasures. So I play my Walking Ballista for one. So it's two counter Walking Ballista and just attack with the Ravager. They have no creatures. It's lethal. Like they have to do something to this Ravager. And mm-hmm. if they use a rule spell, I can move stuff to the Ballista. If they do anything from there, at least my counters go to the Ozolith. So it's it's, yeah. it's okay either way. And it, you force them to use like two cards to make that happen. Yeah. And I have infinite Inkmoth Nexuses in play. <laughs> mm-hmm. So my opponent in combat taps all their mana to Indomitable Creativity because they had a Teferi in play. <laughs> uh, Indomitable Creativity targeting their three treasures. And I'm like, that's all your mana except for the treasures? And they say, yep. And I say... Resolves. Resolves. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get their three Archons. It's like the top five cards of the deck, too. It was extremely efficient. Because I wanted to actually see more of their deck. Because this yeah, was game I, one and I hadn't sideworked yet. <laughs> you just see two more fetch lands or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I didn't even know they had Persist. Access to Persist until I started yeah. playing game two. And that's important <clears throat> to know that, you know, completely changes the range of what they're capable of if they have that in their deck. Right. And so they put their three Archons into play. And I say, I'm going to move my counters to Ballista <laughs> and kill you. <laughs> and they say right <laughs> and just die that's that's not even one of the hard ones like that's not even one of the do they have lethal here so that's just oh yeah i'm dead they they even have a removal spell on hand they're like i just have to keep open leyline binding so i can't just die to ballista and then they didn't do that they could have they could have creativity for two for two they could have yeah you're correct sir yes <laughs> You know, your your patience there, I think, is like to to give this some actual strategic content. Like, I think this is how how you have to play scales against all of the four colored, you know, all the leyline binding based decks that are just like stacks of removal spells is like you never go for things like you put you put stuff onto the board, but you never go for like sacrifice my thing to put counters on something or anything like that you just like put pressure on the board and then whenever they use a spell then you use your you know sacrifice abilities the persistent effects of your counters and stuff to negate the effectiveness of their removal spell but you never go for it and like turn on their removal spells and give them spots and that's uh I, I I have seen people play really badly against four color like trying to go for it and forgetting like solitude exists or forgetting that double solitude exists or whatever yeah and it's also very easy for them to have double solitude a lot of time because you have no way to deal with the ring so mm-hmm. you're just they just get a lot of cards yeah uh i will caveat this with i played sir ginger in my sideboard at this tournament <laughs> which was an incredible card against the teferi decks that's why i brought it it's like not good against everything it's just specifically i wanted it against teferi or red and six decks Mm-hmm. Because those decks are just piles of removal, and they can't actually deal with a hexproof creature. <laughs> and yeah. so Ginger has hexproof and flash, and or not flash, hexproof and trample, which means they can't even jump block it. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so I killed that that creativity player with Sir Ginger, 
uh, in the second and game. And you just ignore the Planeswalker, because as long as the Planeswalker is in play, the Surginger is, like, unbeatable. Yeah, you, you put Teferi to one, and they can't get rid of it. You can't Leyline Binding your own Teferi. You'd have to have, like, Fury your own Teferi, mm -hmm. uh, which either costs you two to three cards or five mana. <laughs> and it, it's it's just not great all around for them. Did, did you see, just speaking of Surginger... Did you see uh, Justin Genari's uh, vintage KCI deck? I have seen it before. I haven't, I haven't okay. seen one with Sir Ginger in it. So, okay. So the kill is have a uh, Kark Clan Ironworks and then like an animation module and Sir Ginger. And okay. so you you keep, you, you like sacrifice an artifact. Make a servo socket. Yeah, make a servo sack it. Keep putting plus one, plus one counters on your Sir Ginger, and you just get infinite mana. Maybe you kill them with the Sir Ginger. Maybe you find another way. There's also patchwork automatons to also, like, combo with That the... card's insane in Vintage, though. Like, yeah, it's, that card it's... is really good in Vintage. Yeah, it's but very it also good in scales, too. I works, matchups, but... works very well with animation module. It was a really cute-looking deck. That is a super cool-looking deck. That's what I would be playing if I could play Vintage, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the third format of the upcoming Team Trios event is Popper, and not yeah. a format that you can have fun in. Man, Sir Ginger just like is crazy though, because you start sacrificing things, and when you sacrifice into Ravager, it gets a lot of counters, and then Sir Ginger also at the same time gets a lot of counters because it right. also gets the the counters whenever you whenever an artifact dies. Yeah, and if you have like silly. an Ozolith in play, then you're like tripling up like. You really don't need that much in play to kill with Sir Ginger because again no. they can't like interact with it. Like right. you, you attack with her. My opponent could have like chumped with an Archon. And it was like a roadblock. Like it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sick. But the rest of my turn it was like pretty uneventful. I played against Scam three times. I played against Zoo and I played against Four Color. And I lost against Four Color to our friend Max actually, who was doing great. And I thought I had him one game when I surgendered him for like a trillion damage, but he clawed his way through a bunch of solitudes pitching to things to eat his other creatures to stay alive. Uh, through his ring triggers too. It was like, it was very impressive how he was able to, to get that one. These are the kind of games that like Max is very good at and will win where like other people that we know would would not be able to. Like Max is very good at this type of, of game of magic and I, I'm always impressed when I see him playing four color and yeah, he, he was like very that. frazzled because he did not know the range that I could do with Sir Ginger. Yeah. So after it happened and he like barely lives, uh he just starts missing triggers and pitch the pitching things he wasn't supposed to and stuff like that. But he did still win, which is impressive <laughs> in itself. <laughs> yeah, I uh Sir Ginger is really cool because I definitely think that like the the cost of playing hardened scales is like the four color mat the you know solitude leyline binding prismatic ending matchup with card advantage is like you know questionable so I anything to to patch that matchup up I think is, is really cool and really helpful and Sir Ginger sounds sounds awesome to me yeah she's really good uh also of note, I like two more things in my tournament. So I, I played against Scam several times. Uh, Scam was the most represented tournament in this, in, deck in this tournament, of course. And mm -hmm. every time I played against a Scam player, I, I kind of just assume everyone knows what I'm playing at this point because I post on Twitter and people look know what I'm about, basically. Mm -hmm. 
but every time I played like my first card or they sat across me, they're like, ah, big sigh. I don't like this matchup. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> you are playing the Lord's Rakdos scam. Yeah. You can't have everything handed to you. You can't complain about the one bad matchup <laughs> in the format. Well, like I'm I'm crying for you. Yeah. No, uh, I that was my philosophy throughout the day. Is like I'm not allowed to complain about anything happening at all. Like I'm playing Gracto's. It's just you know, my opponent drew the four drop that I thought sees from them. It, that that's allowed. That's one of the things that can happen. Uh, and this culminated in the winning in round. So I am three and one. This is a five round tournament. And my breakers are so horrific for whatever reason that I am fo- basically forced to play the final round because it's a clean cut if the top four tables split or draw. But mm-hmm. if the person who gets paired uh, down because they have an, a draw win, then it knocks the worst of the top eight out, which would almost certainly be me. So I have to play. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, say hi to my opponent. I know he's playing scam. I don't know if he knows what I'm playing. I just assume he does. Uh, and then we get deck checked. And our judge is not super experienced. I don't know how many events he's run. He's doing a fine job, but is definitely needs practice. Uh, but whatever, we give him hard, we give him our decks, he runs off to deck check them. I take a bathroom break uh, after I talk to my opponent for a little bit. And one of the things I was talking to my opponent about was that I absolutely despise deck checks at the win and in table mm-hmm. because it just feels really bad. Like if you, you, so this is a very important match for both players if they care about top eighting at all, because they have to win to get it. <laughs> like that whoever does not win this match is not going to go to the top eight yeah uh, which i know for a fact because our seven pointer who ended up being max actually <laughs> just had his opponent just conceded to him because there's no reason for him to, to to play so it's a certain win and in you can't even rely on the person who needs to win to lose uh and if either player gets a game loss in a situation i'm talking i'm talking to my opponent about this it just feels really bad, like no matter what. Right. Like if you're the person getting the game loss, then it sucks yeah, really bad. Yeah. And if you are the the opponent and your po- and the other person gets a game loss and you just like lose against them anyway, that feels also really bad. <laughs> <laughs> like there's just no real winning. Uh unless you're like very satisfied of an easy top eight where your opponent gets a game loss and you win one game, you're good. Like that's like the only good. That's scenario. the only fine, and but it still feels very. And it's bad still for really, one yeah, it still sucks for some for someone. Yeah, and it only feels so good to like overcome the game loss because like you did get game lost, like you had a problem with your deck. That's like annoying, and then you spent the whole match like kicking yourself because you're like, I really should be even on games right now, and then you win. And you're like. It doesn't feel good. It feels like, Jesus, I got away with that, I guess. But holy crap. <laughs> so the judge comes back and says there's a problem with my deck and needs and needs uh, him to come. And I'm actually very surprised uh, because I basically never have deck issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know that my deck contains four foil Arcbound Ravagers. They're the only foils in my deck. Uh, and I'm kind of paranoid about them. They're the only Ravagers I own. 
that's uh, like the the because yeah, we battle. got them for free for playing magic in one particular year yeah, yeah. uh but i checked before every tournament to see if they're like egregiously curled or whatever uh, so i was like kind of surprised that i was getting called out to the judge so i go back to the judge and they're like okay so here's the issue uh we think you have a marked card and it's a grove of the burn willows <laughs> and i'm like no what what <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they just one of my grove of the bill burn willows was just kind of beat up from me shuffling so what they had me do was shuffle my deck and i i riffle shuffle so i riffle a few times and they're like oh <laughs> and give it back to them and they're like and i've been able to pull it out pretty consistently so they the judge takes the thing and shows me a pendle haven and i'm like let's try not again a grove of burn willows. <laughs> And then puts it back and then does some more thumbing through and then shows me a grove of the burn willows and, is, and says, and I've just been able to do this pretty consistently. And well, I'm like, yeah, except that one time. Uh, <laughs> this is not really a judge call I'm willing to fight or do anything about because mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to get me anywhere. <laughs> I just, I just kind of have that feeling. So I'm like, all right, so what do we do here? And he's like, all right, we're going to remove the Grove of the Burn Willows from your deck, because I've got four of them, and we're going to replace it with a basic land. And I say, now hold on. And the backup judge says, he he means a proxy. I'm like, oh, right, that makes okay. a lot more sense. I can do that. <laughs> so I get my little swamps with my Grove, with Grove of the Burn Willows written on it. Mm -hmm. uh, and get back to the table. Uh, judge explains to my opponent what the situation has been. Uh, explains you know i've got a game loss for this but I'm, I'm not i haven't been like dq'd from the tournament for cheating or whatever uh because there's no foul play suspected because mm -hmm. <laughs> like come on grow the burn walls <laughs> i just really need to see one of these in my opening hand <laughs> i guess <laughs> for the death shadow meta <laughs> uh, my opponent asks the judge if like who gets to go first like what are we doing here and the judge replies with, we've issued a proxy to your opponent's deck to replace the card, and then walks away. And Doesn't like, tell your opponent that you well, got a game on. loss? <laughs> no, he did, he did. But oh, okay. the opponent does not know who's going just, first. Oh, okay. And I tell him that I, I'm going first. Uh, and then we play. Mm -hmm. And I smoke him. He's playing Scam, I'm playing Hard and Scales. He complains about the matchup a little bit. And I, I win the match 2-0 well, after the game loss. So that's cool. Kind of. Yeah, but it's still annoying. Yeah. It, yeah, it is annoying. I bought more Grove of the Burn Willows so I could keep playing. Because I the, one of the Grove of the Burn Willows I had was beat up. Like, I'm not disputing that at all. Mm. I don't know if it mattered, to be quite honest. <laughs> but <laughs> I had store credit, and I liked the Future Sight Grove of the Burn Willows, and they're cheap now, so I bought them. When I saw your... You know, your tweet with the picture of the Grove of the Burn Willows. The the main thing that went through my head is like, boy, we're, we get like all of these special card frames and stuff, but they've never even done like a secret layer with future sight card frames for things. Like what? what's with that? Nah, we got to have movie posters. That's the thing. The future sight card frame is. I love it 
And it's also one of the most like objectively hilarious card frames because it has the the slots for mana symbols just hard coded into it. So Grove of the Burn Willows just has all of these like has like eight spots for mana symbols, even though it's a land. Yeah, it cards like Progenitus cannot have their mana cost displayed in in that frame. (laughs) Truly hilarious. I think maybe one of the reasons why they don't do it is because it's so like right hand dominant frame sure which rules for me as a right-handed person (laughs) (laughs) but it sucks for left-handed people Uh, it's a price i'm willing to pay as someone who doesn't have to suffer for it at all (laughs) oh okay cool anyway i win my winning in i play the top eight i play scam again and i actually lose that one uh just had close games kind of got a little unlucky with ancient stirrings in the first game where i cast four of them Looking for our land. I found two of them. <laughs> but one of them was Urza Saga. And mm. I needed it to not be. Yep. Because of the, the Blood Moon. No, and like, I don't know. Definitely complaining about the matchup as scam. Like, I made specific adjustments to my sideboard because I've been like, this is the only matchup that I'm like sub 50% in. So let's play like a variety of cards and like the stuff that's in my sideboard has changed over time like i just you know for the first rcq i just threw two hitetsugu consumes all in there because i was just like this is you know we're just gonna slap this flex tape on there and and that should help and then looked at some more content and did a little more prepping and stuff like that and swapped out some other things so now like uh, one of my pithing needles and, you know, pithing needle is fine in the matchup, but like the main thing that I established by playing the, from the scam side of the matchup is like the incidental hate card stuff isn't enough. Like just bringing, you know, we talked about this a little before, but like just bringing in like ley lines and my pithing needles is not like actually enough to make the matchup reasonable. So like one of my pithing needles is now cast into the fire which still kills a ring and then also has like additional utility in matchups where artifacts matter. And uh, one of my grindy cards is now Colagon's Command, which is very good in the mirror and then also comes in against scales as a shatter effect that has some extra utility, often like rebuying a, a Dothy Voidwalker or something that, you know, they had to work hard to clear out and now you get to play it again. And then combine that with you know the blood moons and the the single hitetsugu consumes all on the sideboard and i i won't say that like i'm favored in the matchup or even that it's like 50 50 necessarily but i don't sit down against scales and be like i don't even have a good plan for this like i feel fine with my post board plan and and i'm comfortable playing against it but like (laughs) it's literally your only bad matchup so prepare for it is kind of my philosophy here yeah I agree. I I I had fun. I I like playing hard and scales a lot. Mm-hmm. I felt um when when I played against Max, who is my four color opponent, he told me that he had a force of vigor in the sideboard, one force of vigor just for me, <laughs> because he knew <laughs> I was coming to the tournament, <laughs> and he just assumed we were going to play at some point during it. That's a fair assumption. I mean, it to some extent go into the first RCQ when i knew collins was playing hardened scales i was like probably have to beat collins to be- to win this rcq so i'm not gonna regret these hitetsugu consumes all in my sideboard and max told me that he had one force of vigor 
for me when he mm-hmm. was casting it on turn two against me. <laughs> ah, well, that ought to do it. Paying for Ward and killing a Saga. Yeah. So that was rough. <laughs> that is rough. At least, wait, did you get a mana out of your Saga at least? I did get a mana out of my Saga. Okay. Because the, the games where you play, like, uh, turn one Harden Scales, turn two Saga, and then you go to cast something, they're like, wait, respond to chapter one. I'm going to kill your Harden Scales and your Urza Saga. Those those are the, the like, I don't know if I'm going to play this deck again type games. I usually get pretty paranoid of that. Because if yeah. you, like, in that game, I didn't have Harden Scales on turn one, so I was fine taking the risk. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you, they can't stop you from getting mana and killing two things. So it was right. cool. <laughs> I tried not to play scales on turn two or turn one if my opponent is just gonna like force it bigger than me <laughs> yeah yeah you can certainly like play around it sometimes but most of your deck is artifacts and enchantments so at some point i mean s- sequencing is not for every deck trivial uh, and hardened scales in particular has like so few one drops mm-hmm. that sometimes you can just go like nothing on turn one turn two play patchwork and your turn three is third land sure. play hardened scales play two drop yeah, and you're like not losing out on any counters because patchwork doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. I think it's it's really important to get those patterns down with the deck, or else you're gonna lose major percentage points. Like scales is probably the one of the hardest decks in modern to play, and it's because of little stuff like that. Ooh, sidebar on deck difficulty. This might not be the podcast for it, but we should talk about it at some time because okay. I think difficulty of decks in general, is wildly overstated. And I am very tired of people telling me that I'm super smart because I'm playing hard and scales. I I just am not. (laughs) I think, I mean, I think buying those last percentage points with any deck is extremely difficult. I think getting in the door with different decks can vary pretty wildly. Like, I, I, you know, being legitimately good with Rakdos scam is it takes a lot of work and there are ultimately a fair number of micro decisions that are not easy and like people don't even necessarily realize they're happening all the time but there are also just like games where you grief scam and then you just like play a two drop and win and you didn't have to do any thinking at all whatsoever. And those happen a little more often with scam than with some other, you know, having a nut drop relieves some of that pressure on your brain. But certainly just like playing the deck at 100% is like um, probably like almost equally difficult for any deck in the format. Speaking of nut draws, I only in that entire tournament I played six rounds of it. I only drew Agatha Soul Cauldron, of which I'm playing three. <laughs> only drew them against Max, uh, and they were immediately besieged. Yeah, <laughs> the turn I the, played them. The deck that has like, like 15 ways to remove them or something like that. <laughs> yeah, so I just like, I I love the Agatha Soul Cauldron lines. They're super good and super cool and very fun. Mm-hmm. And I just like didn't get to do them that tournament, mm-hmm. which I still did well in, to be fair. But like, yeah. But you were playing to have fun and playing to activate. I really wanted to cauldron. cauldron. Yeah, I really wanted to cauldron, folks. I get it. <laughs> Card's so good. My tournament was not like the most exciting in any particular way. I did have some like pretty interesting like individual moments in in most of my matches. 
you have a note, why are scam players the way that they are? I will say that my tweet came to life as I played against a scam player who <laughs> looked at looked at their seven card hand and said, I'll try it. And then grief scammed me turn one, grief scammed me turn two, and thought seized me on turn three. And I, I was like giggling about it. And they explained, look, well, I didn't have the, the not dead after all for the second grief in the opening hand. And I was like, well, yeah, you couldn't have, that's too many cards for a seven card hand. <laughs> um, but, you know, I like, I, I just thought it was funny. It's that was a, a two part joke in the note. That was where you know scam players are the neutron players because that was Watsy's tweet. Yeah, <laughs> I'll try it. And uh, that was a note to remind me to talk about how they all complained about the their one bad matchup. Just like, I, come on, guys, <laughs> unreasonable. <laughs> it's also unreasonable. Two, I think, to complain about getting paired up against Scam, because what are you expecting? You just came to a modern tournament. Yeah, it's even just at these local RCQs I've been going to, it's by far the most dominant deck by like a really big margin. Not at this one though. At really? ours, you I'll you know, four guesses as to the most popular deck. I'm not sure I, that you'll get it. It was Domain Zoo. We had no, six domains. It was Scam. Scam had seven copies. Zoo had five, right? In our tournament? Yeah, and the one that Alan posted the numbers for. I, I'll go look at the numbers. That's, let me look. It's I possible. I, was I don't told want to that, accuse you of being wrong. but I, let me I was look told at the that numbers. Domain Zoo was the most popular deck in the tournament. But <laughs> Alright, let's 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 pull up the PDF. Alright, I mean, I'm getting out the numbers. Scam oh, oh, Scam had seven. I mean, I'm sure you're right. I didn't see Alan's, zoo had five. Alan's report. I must have misheard whatever somebody was telling me. But there was a lot of Zoo in this tournament. <laughs> There was a lot of zoo for being a very close second to scam. Yes. Just some small interesting things. Like I misplayed against my Merktide opponent on one turn. I, I played against Merktide twice in the Swiss. I played the Mirror and I played against Rhinos, maybe? I don't I don't know. Against a zoo deck, I think. But I, I did misplay just like game one. My opponent won the die roll, went Spire Bluff Canal Go. And I chose to evoke grief with a not dead after all in my hand instead of thought seizing. And that I think that that's just like basically always wrong in that spot. I should just thought seize first and not worry about the damage and like potentially like it was a one line hand. So like I knew I was going to grief scam with the hand, but leading on thought seize first was is just like way really important to do because there's a lot of combinations of two cards in their hand that they can have that stop you from scamming and you need to check that first so yeah, if they lightning have bolt spell pierce right any two of bolt heat spell pierce uh and my opponent had like the the mega punish which was just stern scolding game one as <laughs> the spire bluff canal and i was like yeah you i mean Pony fair. got rewarded for included. Yeah, totally fair. I got justly punished for just sequencing badly and lost that game because I never made another land drop. Uh, so, you know, just still things to learn. And I, I think if like I thought about it, but didn't think about it hard enough or in the right ways. And so, you know, won't make that mistake again. Also, my, you know, game two against Rhinos, I, I kept a hand with no hand disruption 
because like grief is not super reliable against them because they have four subtleties after board a lot of the time. And so I think like mulliganing reasonable hands in search of scam is bad. And so I, I kept like a, a void walker fable of the mirror breaker, not dead after all terminate hand. And I, I was on the play. If I were on the draw, I don't think you can keep that, but on the play, you know, you play a void walker and then you play fable and you hopefully find an answer to rhinos. Uh, so I think it's an okay keep. And, and I, I could be persuaded that it's just like, no, you really can't keep a hand that doesn't have some amount of like either a thought seize or a turn one rock uh, against rhinos. And th- that may be true. And I, I want to talk with people about it a little bit more, um, but also playing the hand, uh, you know, I drew, I, you know, my turn one was land go and my turn two, I just drew another land. So I played the void walker out and passed and it got fired. And then my opponent made rhinos after I played fable, I didn't hit anything that like dealt with rhinos efficiently. And so it was just like wrestling with the rhinos and then my opponent made more rhinos and I lost, which is like a pretty standard way for the game to go. And my hand obviously needed something in order to compete with that. And I just never drew anything that was effective. I'd never drew any explosives or chalices or anything like that. And I'm wondering if I should have just played it really slow and like played Voidwalker on turn three and protected it with my not dead after all. And then you can use Voidwalker to cast a crashing footfalls after your opponent. You know, Voidwalker counts as protection against crashing footfalls. But it also makes their mana a little awkward since they have to. uh, I mean, on their turn two. Like going into your turn three, if they mm-hmm. have an answer to Woodwalker, that sucks. But if they don't on that turn and then have to go uh, untap with three mana, deal with Woodwalker, then do a Cascade, that does buy you an extra turn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like after board, they have like, you know, or still, but like after board, they probably have like their their main deck dead gons and fire ices and then some dismembers that got added in so it's usually not that they need to like flame of anor the void walker or anything yeah. but i mean sometimes they just have to land cycle after playing a tap land on turn one and they don't True. like have two mana to spare yeah and also one thing that i i think i maybe should have thought about more and and something that i don't do enough is that my opponent was just like aggressively getting triumphs and shock lands uh, while fetching and really just ignoring the possibility of Blood Moon. And I, I don't think Blood Moon is very good against Rhinos, but it's possible that I should have considered it based on my opponents, like the way my opponent played. Tendency. Yeah. And like one of the ways that you can get somebody who is careless about that is just play a Blood Moon. And Blood Moon is worse in a Lorien revealed world where your opponent can play badly and or, or, you know, ignore it and then still end up with a basic island but island mountain does not cast a cascader so yeah so i don't know just like stuff to think about and i i don't know if that like play nothing until turn three void walker line is very good no i think i'd probably end up mulliganing most of the time to yeah. something that like a thoughts user Agavian. yeah I, I think that you know having one of those in your opening hand is is the best and so it's possible that you just like kind of can't keep anything that's not those or like maybe scam at least scam like threatens something on turn one and 
turn one is like when rhinos is weakest so you should take advantage of that and i probably should should lean into that more i also want to do like a small note because i have been spectating a lot of scam games as one does watching modern games nowadays Mm -hmm. Uh, I find a lot of people are really, really bad at playing around your opponent casting not dead after all in a fair manner. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like that's the card they have a lot of and they don't have good ways of converting. Uh, And people will just attack willy nilly and put themselves into so really bad situations to like an extra bowmaster trigger or like heaven forbid an extra fury trigger. Yeah. Uh, I like playing against fury when your opponent has mana up you need to not kill it a lot of the time block with an orc army whatever you need to do if you kill it it might be a complete disaster for you yeah i i i i'm like i don't often play combat decks but hardened skills is one i've been playing it a lot mm-hmm. so i've been a lot more used to and, and i i'm guilty of this like the first few times i played against scam i was letting myself get blown out by my opponent just having same. the card same yeah uh, and I'm like, all right, that's not happening anymore. And nowadays, it's really easy to just kind of make that card blank if you think about it for half a second, especially in hardened scales, because that deck's like intrinsically good against it anyway. Because you can like get into combat, and then if you have Ravager, it you can just move your stuff to something else, and mm-hmm. you, their creature never comes back. Or you can ballista in response sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the point I'm trying to make really is that. You, you people should be analyzing these board states and thinking like my opponent hasn't really played a card and I would expect them to have XYZ which means they probably just have some scam yeah. effect they can't play yet so assuming they have a scam effect what does it, the board look like after combat if I get into a rumble and they scam something right yeah because with scam especially once you get towards that point in the game where you have like one card in hand you will play anything immediately unless it is terminator fatal push a hand disruption effect when you don't think your opponent has anything good in hand or like your your fifth land or it like in the case of uh, uh black cleave cliffs if it's your you know you'll, like you'll play that as your fifth land but you would never play it as your sixth land like those are the cards that you hold but everything else if you have mana like you're just putting it on the table because you're trying to kill your opponent or or scam effect obviously or, or scam, scam effect, effect sits in the, the last end. category yes and and so it's it's one of those things and there's six copies of the scam effect it's it's particularly important in the mirror because every fury trigger is like oh now you are winning the game so yeah it's really important in the mirror i do know that but also hilarious because you can't not dead after all like a an opponent's creature like if they ragavan you which mm-hmm. is kind of cool yeah <laughs> I have seen it come up now after crafting it. You can Undying Evil, if they steal your creature with Voidwalker or Ragavan, you can Undying Evil it, and then it does come back into play under your control if it's your creature. But yeah, Actually, Not Dead After All is the only effect yeah. of that ilk. They can only target your creature. Yes. But I will say, the Wicked Roll is, is worth not being able to do that. Holy yeah, crap. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> I, I'm still pretty impervious to the Wicked Roll's damage. Uh, I did take my first point of damage to it this this past tournament after reminding my opponent that I took a point of damage from it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been the difference maker, especially when you do it twice in a game and you get two damage off of it. Like, mm-hmm. that's that'll that'll get you there. I also had a... 
like an engineer explosives on zero kill a bunch of stuff because that's like a play uh, off of uh to get constructs out of the play right mm-hmm. uh, and it also kills the wicked roll tokens it does yeah which is cute and so does hitetsuku consumes all kills the, the wicked roll tokens <laughs> Any other stories from your, your RCQ or any wisdom you want to impart? Uh, I don't have anything that I can really think of right now. I I do. I was pretty proud of my play over most of the weekend. I do think that I probably should have mulliganed that hand against Rhinos. And I'm going to talk with some people about like that matchup philosophy a little bit better because I, I've played against Rhinos a lot. I have done pretty well against it but it does generally involve drawing chalice or engineered explosives post board and yeah I, and i should reevaluate my post board hands too because you have four like absolute banger cards and so mm-hmm. a medium hand you can just mulligan it and draw one of those banger cards I, I felt a little burned by the you know game one i had a medium hand so i mulliganed it and then i had a hand that was like you know Ragavan and an and fable and a removal spell and I played the Ragavan and it got dead gone and then like my hand was bad. So it, you know, like I don't know if I like internalized that and that made me keep a bad hand or something, but it it is a matchup that I probably need to just like play a little more of and like play more games where I don't have the cheat codes post board and stuff and then and, and just kind of like because when they do make rhinos and you don't like fury them or ee them like it's it's certainly problematic yeah yeah i would imagine so like the they, they just have like a good tendency to be able to go over the top of you so you need to be able to contain that before they've done it and not after most mm-hmm. of the time yeah yep shieldred is the one way that you kind of like i don't really care that you have rhinos and yeah. shieldred was so good for me shieldred ee yeah, I, I would imagine. Did you? Um, who, who did you borrow these cards from again? Did you have a copy of the deck again? Uh, I just have Alan's scam oh, deck. You just kept it. Okay. Yeah. I, I, after losing in the the semis last week, he was just like, "Just hold on to those. I know you need it for <laughs> further tournaments this season." Already qualified, Alan Swan. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't need any of them. Um, oh, I also played the challenge on Saturday just briefly. Uh, I was I had a, a good tournament. I was X1, had a win and in in the last round, played against Zerk and his uh, 64-12 Yawgmoth monstrosity. One game one, I could taste it, and then I just got absolutely demolished games two and three, which was, you know, disappointing. But de- really wanted to top eight that challenge. But, you know, Zerk's got that Yogg in him, so I got yeah. that. You'll, you'll get him next time. Well, at least he won the tournament, so... Yeah, I did see that. (laughs) With, yeah, just to like, just to mention what is going on with Yogg these days is the, uh, uh, we want to play Eldritch Evolution, but we don't want to cut one ofs. And the only way to really do that is to make the deck over 60 cards. But then post board, we want to take out our bad one ofs. And the only way to do that is to play a 12 card sideboard (laughs) so we can go down to 61 cards. Honestly, I kind of love it. I do too. (laughs) In this very perverse way. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's gross. But, and then like scrolling through, because I don't think we're actually going to get to like, here is the modern format, because that's what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. But, 
I, I don't think we're going to like go through all the challenges, but if you scroll through the Sunday challenge, it's like more <laughs> oversized decks than 60 card decks. Yeah. I made it. I made a tweet about that. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> we've, we've lost the light. We, we can't find the thread anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of wild. I'm, I'm actually for the record. Okay. With more than 60 card deck lists where it makes sense. For instance, the, uh, Omnath piles. I actually think benefit a lot from not being rigid adherence to sixty cards because I now agree. with up the beanstalk, they're just drawing so many cards. It, mm-hmm. Like between the beanstalk and the ring and Omnath and all that stuff, and your yep. your games extend forever. It is nice to like be able to get your your land counts the way you want them to, and have a little uh, something extra cards to try and finish the game. I know that no one plays those cards to try and finish the game, but my hope is that one day they will. Yeah. Uh, th- we're just attacking with solitudes and maybe omnath like that's the only way fury attacks for six that's a good one fury attacks for six sometimes it attacks for eight not in that deck but boy fury hits really really hard i watch these stupid omnath decks and they kill all their opponent's stuff and then attack with omnath a couple times uh, and then just like burn their opponents out with omnath triggers they've stacked up plus Mm -hmm. red six and it's just like all right you're dead now (laughs) it's just that's how i'm winning the game when i when i was playing four color like omnath trigger saved me from going to time like multiple matches it was just like an extra four damage here is gonna that's how you tell who the good four color players are the bad ones will just use the like crack their fetches for mana they don't really need Mm -hmm. uh the good ones will just save their fetches for either life if they get in a bad spot or just like killing their opponent so they don't have to play the game anymore i'm always i always have that four damage to to your opponent like on my mind whether or not it's like any there's any chance it's going to be relevant in the game i'm always thinking like can i get a can i get a four damage out of this omnath i really i just want to because the game's it just lasts too long yeah yeah at a certain point me and you i know not everyone is like this you just kind of want to be done playing the game yep other people want to draw 20 cards and before they're done that's that's not me <laughs> just i just want to kill you and and honestly like that's one of the reasons why i am having a legitimately good time playing scam it you know it's it's an aggro deck and you get to end the games and you get to compress all the decision making down to like a few vital choices and i i don't know i kind of love it i know that i'm having most of the fun in the match but i, I am having fun sidebar because I've, I've had this discussion or like here and there in a few different places, but I don't think with you yet. Mm. I really think as like reviled as scam is right now, it is saving us from a much worse format. <laughs> yeah, which is just ring matchups as far it's as the eye can see. Just ring matchups. And I would way rather die to scam than have to play ring mirrors. I hate ring mirrors. I, I can't stand it when we both have ten cards in our hand. Like I just I don't enjoy those games. I know that, like, for some players, they, like, a beautiful mind it, and they just, like, pilot their way through it, but I just hate it. It's too much. Yeah, I I don't even dislike the amount of options given, because I I typically do, like, lots of option decks. Mm -hmm. It's just that the games take too long. Yeah. And I got other stuff to do. Like, there were only two four-color control players at the the RCQ I was in. They both played in round one, went to time... Uh, the game was decided 1-0. The perfect game record. <laughs> and there was not another draw in the tournament. We started every other round early. 
Yep. That that's how it happened. You can't when your threat is when when the threats in both decks are shriek maws, like when when it's just all necrotals as far as the eye can see, nobody can actually deal lethal damage. Especially since you're drawing so many cards. Like all your necrotals are like Moldrifter Necrotals too. Right. Right. Once you have beans in play, yeah, it's a complete disaster. Alright. So couple of minutes of nonsense? I I love nonsense. Hell what do you yeah. want to go for? Uh all right. Well, I think this is quick nonsense. There's like a bunch of attention on Twitter to the magic bubble, which was like misinterpreting a thing that happened on Amazon, which is I do love it when people misinterpret things that happen on a <laughs> yep. wholesaler's website. This is somebody posted. We just got sent links to Amazon fire sailing Ravnica remastered boxes, draft and collectors in the thousands three months before launch. We don't even have pricing from half our distributors yet, but we are 100% sure these Amazon prices are below our actual costs. So then the conclusion that everybody jumped to was that, oh, magic's a bubble and wizards is just trying to like sell as much product as fast as possible. When the actual thing that very obviously happened was a listing and pricing error that happened and a bunch of people tried to order boxes on Amazon that got like listed way before they were supposed to be on sale for the wrong price. And I just think this is a really funny example of like people willing to grasp onto literally anything that supports their like pre-existing view of what's going on. And they they want the collapse to be imminent so they can be like justified in their belief. And no matter how like flimsy and stupid the evidence is, they're just like, yeah, this this is the th- this is the thing we've so got I, them now. I in this vein, I was listening to a podcast uh, in the flesh and blood side uh, and Brian Gottlieb works on that game. He was uh, Jerry T's old podcast co-host, uh, among other stuff. He used the magic community for a long time. Uh, and one of the things he was saying on this podcast was that he really bought into the magic doom and gloom, like while the MPL was dying and there was no pro play like that year where there was just nothing mm-hmm. he, and they were, they were printing so much stuff and everyone was getting fatigued and he like really bought into all the doom and gloom and just like started selling off cards and got way more into flesh and blood. And, uh, and for the what is the record like i think he's pretty happy in the flesh and blood space now working for that company he's done pretty good for himself yeah but uh his like underscoring of that story was and he was just wrong like completely wrong magic has done the best it's ever done in the yep. past couple of years like they're just crushing the market <laughs> yep Th- there is nobody faster to criticize watsy for like weird products and bad decisions than me but like they're making money hand over fist, and I don't think that it's going to just stop. Like, it may, it may be bad for retailers in some ways. It may be bad for customers in some ways. But, like, Watsi is fine, and Magic will continue to exist for a long time. Yeah, basically Hasbro will not allow them to make any sort of stupid mistake like that where they're just, like, pushing through so much product way yeah. earlier or whatever. Like some individual products might suck. Like Magic Thirty, like was bad, obviously. But I don't think that that means that much for like the product line as a whole. Anyways, uh, Arena Championship Four was this weekend. I watched some of it. It looked like 
how did you find the time to watch any of it? I was busy like all weekend. I see, I saw zero games of this. Well, it's actually ideal for me when I'm streaming a challenge. If there's coverage of something going on oh, for between rounds, you can, you can switch between rounds and watch it. Yeah, because I hate like unless I have a lot of time, which, you know, I won some of my matches in 15 minutes. So I did have enough time to play a whole league during the challenge and watch <laughs> arena championship coverage. But I, I do love like my ideal stream is finish a match, flip over to coverage, like hang out with chat and watch coverage. Like I, I love doing that. So I, I did watch some of arena championship Four. historic is it looks like just some sort of not even like alternate universe version of magic, but just kind of like almost a different game. game. Like you recognize <laughs> the words that they're using and stuff, but things just don't add together in a way that makes sense. Like on one side of the table, there's like a fully almost fully powered modern Yogmoth deck. That's just missing like grist and, and strangle root geist but like everything else is in there and then on the other side of the table is like the mopiest looking demir control deck that you've ever seen but it has luris as a companion for its caster <laughs> mage and orcish bowmasters and it's like what are these decks what's happening here and then it's casting like it has a like a a three three split of archmage's charm and sauron's ransom and like there's never like the mana never like there's always a wasted mana on every single turn and it's just like what is what is this format what's going on and yeah really truly bizarre format that also ended with a nerf to bowmasters and the the one ring online now bowmasters uh doesn't trigger when it etbs and the one ring has a one mana activation cost which i think is like these cards are now seared into our brains because of playing them with modern and then there's just like other versions that exist in in this space the bowmaster one is also like gigantic like it's oh, yeah. huge card is unplayable <laughs> it goes from being like a very good two drop that does stuff and also punishes your opponent to being like a two drop that punishes your opponent and you just can't put into your 75 like yeah there's like, no why, way to justify why, it why would you why would you play it <laughs> yeah like a two mana one one with flash oh yeah that's what we're all about i I mean the way that bowmasters works basically is like you cast it if they never trigger it it is below rate it's like kind of yeah. a bad card unless they happen to have a one toughness creature uh if they trigger but sometimes it once, they just do yeah and, and it also and then, kills and other bow rolls. Masters. yeah but you do need them to trigger it once for you to be like yep this is this is a modern level power level two drop so moving the card from like they have to trigger it once for it to be good to they have to trigger it twice for it to be worth your two mana is like that. Eh, yep. This is not good enough. Yeah. I didn't really catch any of the arena championship. It, it, it happened. Congratulations to the winner. Which it, was it's, it, it's wild to watch because it's a 30 player tournament with $200,000 on the line but the way that everybody got there was just by spiking a weekend. So the quality of play is not high. And the quality of deck building is really, re like a lot of these decks are built incredibly poorly. Uh, it's a it's a strange like look into a universe of Magic the Gathering that is just irrelevant to everybody else. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this, this tournament also just isn't marketed at all. Like I never hear about it. Like I, the only reason I know it happened this weekend before you put it in the show notes was because 
someone mentioned it on the pod on a podcast last week that it was mm-hmm. happening. I'm like, oh, right, yeah, that's the thing, huh? Yeah, it doesn't really exist. I mean, it's an irrelevant format, and it's not played at a high level. It just has giant prizes. It's a very strange creature. Right. Uh, other nonsense. Other nonsense. Uh, all right. Upcoming BNR announcement. I predict no bans in any format. Maybe like because they've been rumbling about possible unbans in modern. So maybe something happens, but I could not ever predict the card that that's going to happen to. But nothing's getting banned anywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no shot. Anything gets banned. Uh, also, I've, I've seen some wild pioneer takes because people are just desperate, desperate for anything about pioneer to change, <laughs> which is I, I sympathize with. But stuff but in I've, Pioneer is changing. I, I think that over the course of this RC season, like just there will be churn. Yeah, I, I think so too. But I also have heard that they cannot ever do anything to the ban list for Pioneer for the next several months because this would affect both the uh, American RC, which is apparently way more important than the other RCs, and the Pro Tour. And I'm like, but what? What? <laughs> I, I have heard that argument, and I'm like, I that's oh okay. I don't I thought think you'd like heard that from anything. a soul. Yeah, but that but they, seems if wild the format is bad, they certainly can't. Like, if there is a compelling thing that must be banned, they certainly like. There's no reason not to just ban it. Yeah, I think the only likely thing. I, so, for the record, I don't think anything will change in this announcement at all no. in any format. But I think the only possible thing to happen would be a modern unban. Because there was a daily MTG stream or weekly MTG stream recently where Blake said they were just discussing uh, on these small BNR updates throughout mm-hmm. the year. They're just discussing cleaning up the modern ban list and just like unbanning more things. And they mentioned a few cards uh, here and there, but they didn't give anything firm, obviously. Am I wrong? Did Was the, the take on... Dreader turn, like probably not, but never say never, which I think is a perhaps a wild underestimation of what Dread Return is capable of in I, modern. I, I don't remember specifics of of any cards they said. The only mm-hmm. the only ones I specifically remember is that they before the the preordain bin restriction announcement. I know that they looked at the artifact lands mm-hmm. uh, and that you know the the Mirrodin cycle. And that is the only cards I know anything about regarding what Blake said. Yeah. My uh, official on-stream unban tier list puts exactly Vault of Whispers at they should unban this. And then the rest of the The other ones they can't. (laughs) You get one untapped artifact land and it's uh, basically a destructible Darkseal Citadel. It's a Beseech the Mirror card. It would be good. Yeah, and actually that tier list was created before Beseech the Mirror came out, so we might have to reevaluate and grab like I mean they all do have application now, don't they? Yeah, they're all they're all pretty good. Yeah. They've only gotten better over time, which is wild, right? Like who would have guessed? Yeah, who would have guessed just like uh yeah, zero deck building cost card <laughs> that yeah, exactly. If you could only unban one artifact land, which would you want to be unbanned? Like for selfish reasons? For selfish reasons? Yeah. God, what would I even do with an artifact land? So 
sadly, Goblin Engineer is just like never going to be playable in modern, even with Agatha's Soul Cauldron. There's just like no way of doing it. So it survives Bowmaster and Renin Six. You can you can ban Grave Furnace if you want. Yeah, I'm the problem is it doesn't do anything though. No, it doesn't do it. It doesn't do anything. I have all these dreams of like doing stuff with it, but then it just turns out that like the card is not that powerful and the number of cards you have to play to enable it that are not that powerful is like way too high and so then the deck just like stops making sense once you start once you have put the like 10 card goblin engineer package into there <laughs> so so that's not like a compelling thing i think i really don't want ancient den because i don't want it to be easier for hammer to just like guarantee metalcraft, metalcraft. yeah i don't I don't love that. Honestly, Seed of the Synod to make Emery better, I'm into. Okay. I cool. love Emery, like, deeply. So It also makes Affinity decks, like, pretty Possible. reasonable, too. Yeah. Like, Thought Monitor and such. Like, those those decks really would want to see the Synod. <laughs> yeah. So it's, like, the obvious one, but I do think that it would be cool. And if the Seed of the Synod decks get too good, then we can put a bunch of Force of Figures in our sideboard. <laughs> Like, yeah. there's natural predators it, it, available these days. Yeah, That's why I'm pro all the artifact lands. Mm -hmm. uh, I just want there to be more tension inside boards. I recognize the artifact lands are very strong, but I want to play with very strong cards. So, you know, why does Scam get all the fun? There was a long, long, long period of time in Modern where it was basically like you had these slots in your sideboard that were graveyard hate if you expected dredge and company or they were artifact hate if you expected affinity and similar and then you were just trying to choose which one you brought on any specific weekend and that doesn't really exist anymore because nobody's putting ancient grudges or nature's claims in their sideboards and that kind of you know I, I like I'm, they did this weird thing with modern where it's like force of vigor is very strong because there's some really good artifact enchantment decks mm -hmm. that are hard to interact with like hammer and amulet force mm -hmm. is really good against those two decks because it lets you like interact with them yeah uh, while you're doing your thing but the graveyard decks basically don't exist anymore like you mm -hmm. don't need a ton of graveyard hate to go after like merc tide or whatever because they're right. just independent of that most of the time uh, and it would be cool if there were more graveyard decks just in general as an access you could access in the modern format <laughs> yeah yep like and and the, the trade-off to having good art like good uh graveyard hate against the graveyard decks is sometimes you'll play against four color and they don't care about anything like you mm -hmm. can board in your graveyard against round six go for it well and how many sideboard cards are you really bringing against four color like what do you what are you <laughs> doing to your deck to make it good against four color if you were bad against four color to start with yeah i, I don't know got got some <laughs> i don't even know what you board in against four color and like decks to be honest <laughs> yeah i it's very specific to each deck and it's rarely a, a gigantic like four color is the deck that gets better post board against literally everybody you just when you play against four color you just change your deck and your sideboard to the plan you want not mm -hmm. like not, this is my card right 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 yes and that whole like wouldn't it be nice to have actual graveyard decks again is why i continue to support faithless looting unbanned don't don't at sure me. let's go let's do it yep. one day we'll have the unhinged modern ban list takes yes we do have to do that someday i mean my 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 official stance on faithless looting is unbanned faithless looting ban every card that says dredge on it even shenanigans 
you can have shenanigans. Dredge one is fine. <laughs> we can have shenanigans on Golgari. Golgari Scarab, broad scale. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> or brown scale. What the heck is that card called? Brown scale. Brown scale is the dredge two. You gain two yeah. life. You can have you can have brown scale. Is That's it, fine. Is it grave shell scarab. Grave shell scarab is also okay. Ball? You we we can't have anything dredge four or above. No stinkweed imp. No Gol, no Golgari thug. I wouldn't want to ban life from the loam because if you're putting life from the loam in your deck, I support you. Okay. <laughs> Necroplasm and Dark Blaster. Okay. Those are fine. Yeah, one hundred percent. If you're Moss building a dredge dog. deck with just just like four Dark Blasts, like Godspeed. <laughs> uh, what about Doctor Who? How do yeah. you feel about Doctor Who? Do you have any Doctor Who takes at all? Okay. Here are my here are my opinions. A bunch of the art is incredible. Specifically the art with no characters on it. So I agree. The non-basic okay. lands. So every piece of art that is actually like from Doctor Who, these weird portraits, I don't know what the deal is with like putting actual human actors onto these cards that just make them look horrible they they just they they look like weird fan arts and it makes me they have this like uncanny valley energy that makes me really uncomfortable to look at basically every single doctor who card that has a doctor who character on it i get where you're coming from because a lot of them like it's punctuated for me by like crisis of conscience which is a, a wrath effect mm -hmm. it's got like it's a close-up of one of the doctors. I could not tell you which one. <laughs> just like staring at two twigs or something. Sure. And it's just a super close-up. There's stuff going on in the background. And I'm like, what is happening? Why Why is this the art? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at the same token, I like cards like the Solemn Simulacrum reprint, which is just like some random robot with an emoticon for a face. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm down with that. You know, it's just. A, yeah, because it's just a joke. The whole yeah. card is just a, a like in joke that only people who play magic and who have played magic for a while and like watch Doctor Who like get the full joke. Uh, and anything that references a moment in the show but doesn't have like close ups of the actors or whatever, like Explore, mm -hmm. I think looks fantastic. Yep. Uh, and all of the non basic lands that are reprints of mostly terrible snarls all bangers they're just so good this port town is the prettiest land they've printed in like unbelievable a decade. yeah and it's on port town of all goddamn things <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which you know makes some sense because of their like clear philosophy of like every land must like no land can be shock land level they all must be the the like la the 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 third tier of dual lands so sidebar into commander discussion really quickly uh i really appreciate them putting canopy lands or horizon lands yeah that's true of, they have not all of them it's like waterlogged grove and sunbaked canyon and the is it one and horizon canopy i think Mm -hmm. well there's six uh, so it's a weird cycle to right there's also no black i don't think it's a black commander in this in this pile but regardless the I, I really really like seeing competitive level reprints in these commander decks especially the universes beyond ones 
mm-hmm. uh, Warhammer and Doctor Who because th- these are like a premium price point commander deck. And yeah. from what I can see, based off the Warcraft or the Warhammer and the Doctor Who ones, based off like the new designs and the reprints, they're mostly just like very much worth the money. Yeah, yeah, and I I think that that is definitely a thing that they did well with the Warhammer decks, and and I, I don't know exactly like where the numbers add up with these, but there are definitely some good reprints in there, and I, yeah. I think someone someone will do the math. But I yeah. I hope what I would wish they did for the universes beyond ones. Uh, as they continue this trend and we'll see like shock lands and fetch lands in this product because it's it's a premium product like it costs money so just give them some good lands it does not cost watsy more to print good lands and expensive product <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know what their internal like economy balancing act has to say about these things i, but, like, I look at all of these i feel stupid. like you can put a hallowed fountain into one of these decks and a, a and an overgrown tomb into another one and it's fine like i look at all these stupid commander products uh because i want to see the new cards they're cool and i swear to god there is a sky cloud expanse or some of the odyssey filter lands in like every single commander deck just it the last place exhausting dual end cycle yeah there's, yeah, there's a Sky Club Expanse in this one with gorgeous art. Great art. <laughs> the, the fact that the port town, the art on, you know, the art is extraordinary. Like, perhaps the best non-basic land art, like, we've seen in, in years. And then it's on port town, a land that has legendary status as, like, an unplayable land. Like, everybody knows port town as shorthand for, like, oh, this doesn't, this is a land that doesn't actually, like, work. It's a, it's a come-to-play tap land that tries to trick you into being yeah. something into believing it's something it's not yeah the, the doctor who lands are are so good there's also a lot of cool cube cards in this set mm-hmm. uh, these are all i don't i don't play commander so i look at this like primarily through cube lens and there's a lot of really cool ones in this Dude, set the fish is messed up yeah there's a seven mana fish with foretell for five mana uh, seven seven and it makes two blue fishes and two treasures when you when it enters the battlefield and it gives all those fish haste and can't be blocked by humans i assume there's a doctor who reason for that doesn't super matter <laughs> <laughs> the fact is it's just like this really good control finisher that is not even like an end game finisher because you can it play it on five. turn five yeah yeah that card is sick there's also Flesh Duplicate, which is a really cool clone. It's a UU, like a two-mana clone that you can clone whatever you want, but it has Vanishing 3. So eventually it will go away uh, in three turns. So you've got yep. three turns to do whatever you can with that clone. The problem with Flesh Duplicate is that you have to pay someone to alter it before you put it in your cube. It is one of those cards with weird art. And like weird derogatory. Uh, I can't. I can't look at this thing, it, which it me, probably means it's successful art, right? Because like that's what it's going for. But I, I can't look at this thing. Uh, I also love K9 Mark One. It's like a tiny little legendary artifact dog mm-hmm. that gives other legendary creatures World One, and they can be unblockable. It's like just like this cog. There's also a lot of random creatures in this set because of the stupid universes beyond border, which was clearly the warhammer border they never bothered to adjust yep they're all of the cards kind of look like artifacts and then there are some cards in the set that are actual artifacts that do not look like it like um nardole 
which is just a two mana scientist. This just looks like a guy in a sweater and it's an artifact creature and you don't realize that until someone points it out to you. <laughs> By shattering it. <laughs> <laughs> and then it comes back because it's got undying. <laughs> Uh, and then I like Cyber Conversion a lot, which is a, a two mana instant blue card that just like turns a card face down. Mm-hmm. I like I like cool little blue removal spells I put in these commander decks because they need yeah. to get blue something. One of my favorite cards from the commander set is a uh, it, it's from the New Capenna one where it's blue blue aura enchant a clue creature or something else. Uh, and then enchanted creature is a clue and it's got split second so it basically mm-hmm. turns a creature into a clue that is cute yeah they always have to find some like really funky way that often is particularly good in commander because you can't put your commander into the command zone when it's a clue or face down or whatever yeah, you like have to crack the clue first and then you like, can exile your commander and then you're yeah. good to go right but it's it's not like unfair for anything it's also forcing command people who buy these commander precons to play spot removal which is something people do not do in commander and that's why Primeval Titan is banned. <laughs> and the last card I really like is Bigger on the inside, which is a, it's like a, what's a, what's a two mana? What's a card that enchants a land but adds two mana? It's not Fertile Ground because that only adds one extra mana. The only one I can think of is Dawn's Reflection, but that's a, like a weird uncommon fit, yeah, thought, which is the, very good in its draft format. But the anyway. like green one that just adds green green, I can't remember the name of, but anyways. Overgrowth, overgrowth. Yeah, overgrowth, it's yeah. An, it's an overgrowth effect that when you spend mana on a spell it gets cascade <laughs> yeah that card is really cool yeah it's really cool it's five mana so you're, you're getting your what you pay for out of it but yeah it's in it it can enchant what is it an artifact or a an land. artifact or a land so there's like a bunch of artifacts that like you can do like really neat stuff and like get a bunch of untaps or whatever and and make mana and like get many cascade triggers and stuff there's like a lot of like really cool ways to use this thing Uh, also it's it's templated so that you can add mana to like someone else's mana pool so if you're like in a team game you can like help out your buddy which i think is cool yeah that's true that is really cute but like in cube you know you can put it like on a retrofit or foundry or something and, and get like an extra activation and the double cascade whatever spell you're casting like there's you a can lot of put it you can put it on an incubation token off of uh chrome seed shark that has your mm. counter on it because that happens frequently to me where i just have like i play a spell because it yeah. makes a token and just to have extra count this gives mm-hmm. you use out of it yeah also red green cool sucks card. red green cards kind of suck in cube so it's nice to see something that does something different yeah for sure they all are just like four fours and five fives with creature abilities or whatever yeah there's honestly the the red green section of cubes i build is increasingly becoming universes beyond cards with the the ball lock from warhammer and stuff like that yeah yeah they've done a good job of making interesting stuff although the main set stuff has like clothis and then everything else is just like amiglas is the most interesting thing and it's just stats on a, a body yeah I mean, there was Kogla Nidara, which is super cool. Yeah, but kind of not. I mean, I guess if you're in a, a cube where the disenchanting thing is particularly relevant, then it's great. But it's like, you know, it doesn't really keep up in a lot of cubes. Yeah, for sure. Like you're you're still looking for vintage red green cards. Like Atali yeah. was a godsend. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Minskin Minskin Boo is a, a a timeless hero. Just an abomination <laughs> of of like mismatch of what the card does to its mana cost 
Is that a red-green card, or is that a card that forces you to play red and green mana? Yeah, you must take it, and it will kill your opponent. <laughs> Whew. I did get to draw Jack a Boo token, because he asked me for one. Hmm. Anyway, that, that's that's really all I've got to say about the, the Doctor Who. Yep, that's that's about all I got, too. I'm not mad about it. It's not really going to affect me in any meaningful way. Yeah, I don't really have any. I, I haven't watched any Doctor Who at all, so... I think that's fine. I, I'm not the, the target audience, I guess, for this particular thing. It is kind of fascinating how many times i have seen a tweet that's just like either just emojis or words that are effectively just emojis <laughs> and then a card that is portraying like a moment from the series and the entire like value of the card to this person and the people that are liking the tweet is just that it reminds them of the existence of that moment in the series which i guess is cool but i'm thinking of like works that are meaningful to me and it's a struggle for me to imagine having this response to anything you know like they spoiled the princess bride cards and i was like that's cool i do enjoy like the visual the depictions of these characters that i haven't gotten to spend time with in a while because there's only the one movie and it's nice to get like a little bit but like you know if they did a star wars universes beyond and like here's the card of darth vader cutting off luke's hand it's not like, like, I just, I wouldn't have this sort of reaction, like, oh my God, like I'm like, like spitting, crying, throwing up or whatever. <laughs> it's just like, I don't, I, 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 I am engaged in fandoms, but not in this way. So it is a little odd for me to see. I'm, I'm cool with it. I, I was thinking about this a little earlier today where I just think it's neat that you can evaluate these cards as game pieces like i mm -hmm. do almost exclusively uh and and can appreciate some of the art like i think some of the cards that even depict characters like twice upon a time which is the blue adventure that's like a pretty cool landscape of two people exiting the like phone booth time machine thing mm -hmm. or the explorer i mentioned earlier those are like super pretty like you can appreciate that and just the mechanical aspects of the card but you also have like another audience that's just like really into being reminded of something Yes. And that is like half of the reason that I like music, right? It just reminds me of points of time in my life. Sure. That's fair. I, I don't disagree with that. Here, and then here's a card that's just a lady in shorts. That's, that's, that's the art on the card. It's a lady in shorts. It is, it is wild. Some of the, uh, the arts, like the character depictions, where it's just like uh, this. This one you linked like way earlier, Joe Grant. And I, again, I do not know anything about this character, but it's just like a woman on a motorcycle, and her whole thing is that all your cards in your hand have cycling. Yeah, <laughs> and whenever you cycle a card, you, she gets a counter. And it's yeah. just like she's just this, into cycling. She loves is this cycling. entire character. Is this entire character just based around her motorcycle? <laughs> Is, it, is the whole character just a motorcycle joke in the show or is it just that the card is only a motorcycling joke or, or did they like notice this character and she was famous for like i don't know having a motorcycle she drove place and they're like we're gonna simplify this character down to this one aspect with is the cycling the mechanic in related in any way to riding a motorcycle <laughs> i don't yeah because it has cycling in the name yep. of ccr keep yeah. up come on like did you see the secret layer for street fighter some of those mechanics were yep. just wild. Multi-kicker. 
Yeah, for Chun Li. Yeah, she kicks multiple times. Easy, done and dusted. Yeah, that was the easiest card design of my life. Dalsum has reach. That's it, the stretchy it, guy. It is funny how many of these legends are just like a guy in a room, and somebody pointed out like, yeah, a lot of Magic Legends are like a guy in a room, and posted like, you know, a picture of Leovold or whatever. But it's like. That's world building because it's a guy in a room in a different universe. When it's a guy in a room that looks like my like creative writing professor's office, that's not that's not world building. It doesn't tell a story in the same way. Don't ha- don't have anything for that. Yeah. What mostly bothers me about this set is that alien is such a prominent creature type. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's that's a little odd. Also, I don't like how Time Lord is two words, and before any Doctor Who people come after me, I understand. That Time Lord is the name of a race, <laughs> but <laughs> which is magic. which is one of many things that like clearly has roots in like goofy 1960s British science fiction writing where they don't really think about the consequences of just saying a thing and then it has to be part of the canon forever. The oh, the name of the race is the Time Lords. Uh, really like forever we have to do that like we have to take like take it seriously while writing these scripts yeah you you do it's just the way it is sorry they're the time lords and what's really annoying to me about that is that they had to make a special magic exception so they could have a stupid space in the creature type time lord because as written if you put time lord doctor on a card that mm-hmm. card has three creature types yep <laughs> it has the creature type doctor has the creature type lord and has the creature type time yeah i don't the the game will break if time is a creature type though it, that's that there's no way that's not functional that's why assembly worker is hyphenated yes it's a creature type <laughs> and that's why there's a land type urza's that that's it with, with apostrophe s that's a whole land type because Urza's Power Plant was just named Urza's Power Plant, right? That's the card yes. type the first time it was printed. I put yep. in Urza's PW. That's not going to give me anything. Oh, that was just straight up land. Huh. When did they get Urza's on the on the card type? This this bears investigation. It may have been with the printing of Urza's Factory and Time Spiral. Oh, no, it was in 8th edition. It was in 8th edition? It, okay. had the, it had the land types Urza's mm-hmm. and power, the land type yeah. Power Plant hyphenated. <laughs> Yeah, because the text of the card is if you control an Urza's power plant in an Urza's tower, and that wording means that those are types, not not card Because it would need to be if you control a land named Urza's power plant, Urza's tower, you know. I think that's just the card type. Of the, that's just the card type. I guess power plant is a, a card type. Yeah. Because it's still current. Mine, mine is a card, is a land type. Tower is a land type because it, it must. <laughs> that's hilarious. It doesn't say card named. Wow, old magic cards are so funny. Yeah, it's very weird. See, my my Urza lands are Chronicles, so I don't have to worry about any of this nonsense. No, no, no. The, the card just reads like you'd expect to play the game if you were like six years old. Yes, but it's just fine because that's how the cards work. Yeah. All right, I we should wrap this podcast up because yeah, we've been it going is for getting a while. hot in this house in this no. little room. Oh no! All right, well, I think we've covered everything we need to do, so. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really, really appreciate your time. That's it for us. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us on this adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.